Welcome to part two of our interview with writer, director, producer Stephen S. Tonight from Smallville. If you're looking for part one, it's right underneath part two in your iTunes feed or on our website at houseofelpodcast.com. All right, I'm Derek here with uh, Mr. Denight again for part two of our interview, where we're going to be kind of centering a lot more around Smallville and Justice in this part. So uh, if you haven't seen Justice yet, fans, uh, too bad. Too bad. Yeah, what's wrong with you? (laughs) We're delving into all the spoilers. That's the episode you missed? (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it like eight times. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for TiVo. That's all I can say. (laughs) Yeah, would you believe it? My TiVo, TiVo screwed up Act 4. No. The big action. Are you scene. serious? No. Yeah, yeah. It's like whenever. Uh, yeah, I was waiting for you know the the, the big walk away from the explosion. Uh, yeah, it starts with them saying, "All right, let's blow the building," and then the next thing I know, it's Clark's like really, really extra close up. It's like, what the hell Miss happened? That whole part. Miss the whole part. Surely you have it on. Yeah, you've DVD. got a great. You've got a copy of it later somewhere. Like though. HD. You know, I have a VHS tape copy of it. Oh which wow! Is not the same. Well, I uh, I've got a DVD recorder. I bur- I recorded it off a of TiVo. Yeah, so we'll I'll send, send you it to you. Yeah, we'll send you. Hey, yeah, could you send me a tape? <laughs> well, how sad is that? Well, let's uh, get into it. How, tell us about how it all went down. How did you get approached for justice? Well, um, you know the idea. It really started with uh, uh, Bart, Bart Allen. Um, since Run, we had always planned on bringing back Bart. Uh, we just we didn't have space for it in season five. But we had always talked about uh, what I, I think Jeff Loeb coined as uh, Flash in a Jar, is that Lex captures Flash, and he's like a firefly, you know, just bouncing around in a, a big glass jar. So that was the first image. And then this year... They decided to finally do it. Um, I was slated to direct episode 11, and uh, we had a uh, writer's retreat uh, two or three times a year. We all pile into a conference room in a hotel, and we spend eight hours you know, talking about where we are and where we're going and what we want to do. So in this writer's retreat, they decided that you know justice was going to be somewhere around episode 10, 11, or 12. So I immediately start saying, Eleven's a great place for that. <laughs> and uh, so I pitched them my take on it. Um, I, I was actually half wearing my, my writer's hat and half wearing my producer's hat, is that with, uh, with all these superheroes, it's, it's tough because it could become an extremely expensive episode, so expensive that we wouldn't be able to do it. So uh, my pitch was concentrate on Bart in the first half because I think he had the closest relationship with uh, with Clark. And then uh, halfway through, he gets captured by Lex, and then, you know, the mission is save Bart. And they really liked that, that take on it. And uh, I, I think that won me the slot of uh, doing it on 11. Uh, not that there wasn't some concern, you know, that there was a little bit of worry of not me writing it, but me directing it, since, you know, all I directed was that damn exploding baby, which still haunts me. Uh, but much to their credit, they they let me run with it. Um, you know, they put me in charge of breaking the story, and, and Alan Miles gave me an incredible amount of uh, creative control over this one. Uh, they really let me get my hands in there. And uh, also to their credit, they wanted this episode to be a little bit different. Um, you know, you'll notice that the tone's a little different. We do uh, some different things with the camera. 
they wanted the Justice League to bring this different style to the show. Uh, so, so I had an incredible amount of latitude with what I was doing, not, not just in the script, but on the set as well. With, with, and I was going to ask actually about Bart, and you brought it up. Was it easier for you? I was going to ask if that was the reason y'all went with you went with Bart um, centric in the episode because you did write Run, and since like uh, AC and Victor have already been captured by Lex in previous episodes, if that was kind of the reason you you went with Bart to be the one to get taken away in this one. More so than anything, it had to do with Clark's relationship to Bart. Yeah, uh, out of those three characters. He was like Clark's little brother. He's the one that he really, I think, bonded with the most. And, and I also, for, for my taste, he's the one that had uh, the really fun rapport with. Uh, you know, because Bart is, is such a uh, sarcastic uh, character. You know, he's, he's so much fun to write for. He's the guy that really enjoys showing off. He, he's, he's flashy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, was there anything originally that you wanted to do in the episode that either DC or Warner Brothers or Al Miles said no, you can't do we can't do that or uh you know there there's always uh, nobody really stepped on my creativity. Yeah. Uh there's always stuff like for the budget. I would have loved to have had, you know, Justice League versus 33.1 freaks. Uh that would have been fantastic. Um there was uh, a very small section in the script uh with Aquaman underwater. Um, and the way it is now, you just, you know, see his wake as he goes, uh, towards the, uh, Ridge facility. In the script, you see him come at, underwater, you see him come out of his super swim. He swims over this huge iron grate in a concrete wall and rips it out and, you know, swims inside this pipe, which was really cool, but it would have taken a half a day to shoot in an underwater tank and it was going to add, Fifty or sixty thousand dollars to a budget that was already hundreds of thousands of dollars over budget. So we had to snip that out, which you know was unfortunate. There's also there's a uh, there's a very funny run at the very end of the script. It's where Clark says, "What do you call your team?" Uh, they actually go through a series of names of what they call the team. Uh, let's see, Cyborg wants to call it the Titans. Of course. Uh. A little little shout out there to the Teen Titans. Um, Aquaman wants to call it the uh, Legion of Superheroes. And uh, Bart wants to call it Doom Patrol. Awesome. (laughs) And and Chloe, of course, pipes up with how about Super Friends? Because, you know, Al Goff really wanted to throw in Super Friends. Um, So this was in the script and it was actually shot. Uh, but DC Comics uh, wouldn't let us do it. Oh man, I uh, hope that's on the unfortunately. DVD. I hope that's on the DVD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they just uh, I, I I never talked to DC Comics about it. Uh, I just got the word from Al that we had to snip it out because they apparently went ballistic. Oh man, did you have to go through a lot of different drafts uh, of the script? Well, you know, no more than usual. Yeah. I mean, there's always a lot of variations and permutations and you've got to change this because of the location you have and you got to change that because you can't afford it and you know there's always tweaking a dialogue and stuff like that it's like uh you know originally in the script uh flash uh, bart was called flash right but then dc comics said we couldn't call him flash 
way I'd call them impulse. Which is fine because it, you know, it, it blended well, it, into a nice joke. It makes sense. I, I was, I yeah. was actually talking about Bart. That was the next thing I was going to ask. Did a lot of people get the when you wrote Run? Did a lot of people get the reference of this being the Flash from the, you know, the future? You know, it came all the way back from the future that line, or did you catch any slack for that? Because I mean, yeah. it, it it levels up with you know Kid Flash and Impulse really well. Exactly, and you know that's why that's why I put it in. Um, uh, people ask me, well, why didn't you use Barry Allen or Wally West? It's, well, DC Comics originally with Run, they would only let us use Bart Allen. So uh, that, that's why it became Bart Allen. Uh, one of my favorite parts of Run is when Clark is going through uh, um, Bart's backpack, and Bart has all these different IDs. Mm-hmm. And they say Barry Allen, Wally West, Jay Garrick. Yeah, because a little nod to uh, the classic flashes. Because uh, I think the first Flash that Superman meets is Wally West when they're racing around the world for charity. Right. right. So. I, you know, growing up as a kid, I loved those Flash versus Superman races. Yeah. And that that's one of the reasons I wanted to end run like that, where they were having a race. <laughs> Well, early on you were saying that they wanted to do this episode. Was it difficult at all getting, you know, um, Alan Richardson and, you know, uh, all the other actors to come back for the, justice? You know, the scheduling for this was an absolute miracle. Uh, the moment we decided to do it, um, we decided that this is what we were going to do, and it would start filming, I, I think, about three months from that point, two or three months. So immediately, the next day when we were in the office, you know, I call out and I said, Al! We've got to lock in these actors now. So uh, we got on the phone, and uh, it was tricky. It was close, literally, um, especially with uh, Kyle, uh, the guy that plays Bart. Um, He was scheduled to go do a movie, so literally he finished the last day of my shoot and then went to this movie. So uh, it, it was one of those rare things where everything lined up. Uh, you know, Lee, who plays Cyborg, had just finished a movie and then was going on to do something else after it. So it was just a little pocket where we could have everybody. And that does that rarely happens ever in Hollywood or anywhere else. It, it where really you can does. Get the, Very rare to borrow a pun to get the Super Friends together. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I'll be surprised if it ever lines up like that again. Well, now tell us about like filming. Like, where all did you? Sh- are there any fun stories? I mean, I'm sure there are, but you would know them better than we would. Oh, filming, Jesus! Uh, <laughs> Other than you being sick the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Halfway through, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I got so sick. I, I I've never lost my voice ever, but I lost my voice. So, um, and, and you know, I, I have to yell action and cut, but nobody could actually hear me yell action and cut. So at one point they gave me a bullhorn <laughs> to squeak out action and cut, <laughs> and then other times I would tap the uh, first AD on the shoulder so she could yell action and cut. Um, all the stuff you see inside the Ridge facility, um, that is actually uh, in Vancouver. It's a place called Anasis Island, which is, uh, how to put this tactfully, it's a waste reclamation plant. Hmm. Ah. Which uh, <laughs> is not a pleasant place to be. Everybody um, had turned up noses in those scenes. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially when you're scouting because they have everything turned on. Oh. Um, <laughs> when we were actually shooting, they turn everything off, so the smell isn't that bad. But you're, we were underground in these tunnels 
with atmosphere smoke, which just made my cold worse. I mean, I, I there was a couple of days I thought I was just going to keel over. Um, we also the the stuff you see exterior uh, of the the Ridge facility. This was during uh, the worst storm Vancouver has had. Uh, I think in the last ten or twenty years. Oh man. Um, we were filming half of the day down in the tunnels and then the other half of the night outside. And so we're down in the tunnels, and rain is coming down sideways. It is just vicious. But the weather broke just before we got out, outside. So uh, it was miserably cold. We couldn't use, uh, usually when you're outside shooting, you use these space heaters to keep you warm. But we couldn't have heaters because of the pockets of methane gas that could blow us up. (laughs) So I, I, I have a cold. I mean, I'm about to expire, and I'm freezing to death. So it was, it was not pleasant. Oh man! Well, um, other than what you were saying, like with uh, everybody in the barn, I know you said that that was like one of the hardest things of the film in the episode because there's so many people in the barn and yeah. that last scene with uh, Clark and Chloe and then and of course the, the JL members. Um, is there anything else that got filmed that we didn't get to see? I don't think so. I mean, uh, there's uh, there's some extra, you know, Clark creeping around in the Ridge facility, but pretty much everything you see is there. Um, there's also there's, uh, there's more, more intricate footage uh, of the teaser basketball game. Um, there's a lot more shots of, of the Clark time of, uh, you know, we, I mean, we filmed that nine ways on Sunday and then really only ended up using one angle. Uh, other than that, I mean, it's, it's pretty much all there. I mean, uh, Unfortunately, on the DVD, you're not going to see, like, huge cut scenes. Uh, you know, there's uh, a bit of dialogue snipped here and a bit of dialogue snipped there. But it's, it's pretty much all up there on the screen. Well, my honest opinion on that, and, I, you know, these little mid-season episodes are not little, but these huge mid-season episodes, like the 100th episode Reckoning last season, they really do need those documentaries centered around them on the DVD, and I think Justice needs to have one on this season's DVD, definitely. Because I've seen the, um, I know New Mexico's CW station uh, hosted some behind-the-scenes interviews that y'all mm-hmm. did, uh, or that the cast did, and what, filming um, right. in uh, Oliver's bachelor pad, you know, the top of the clock tower. Yeah. And I, stuff like that, I, especially for an episode this huge, needs to be on the DVD, and in most of the fans' opinions, because... You would think so, but yeah. I mean, I can tell you there was no documentary that I was aware of being shot while we were doing it. Um, and to be honest, we, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would have survived the shoot if somebody was also following me around <laughs> with a camera. Well, I, mean, I noticed I noticed you weren't in that interview that they did with Tom and everybody else. <laughs> I was wondering. No, you know what? I was supposed to be, but literally, um, I couldn't leave the set. Because uh, there was so much going on that I, I, I had to keep an eye on. Also, you know, I, I had a, a digital camera with me through the whole shoot. I didn't take one picture because I never had time. Oh man! I mean, th- this was uh, this was really a twelve or thirteen day shoot that we squeezed into eleven and a half. Uh, so it was just a massive, massive amount of work. And and you know, I I, I really, really wanted this to turn out well because. Uh, I didn't want to disappoint the fans because uh, I know this is this is a big deal. You know, it is the proto Justice League. So I was just on set nonstop, just thinking of the best way to do things. 
Well, I don't think you disappointed no, anyone. I, I mean, speaking from our perspective, the highest ratings this season, it's already been, you know, I was telling you earlier, it's already been called the best episode of Smallville ever. And a lot of the fans' opinions. I don't think you disappointed anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm thrilled. I mean, this this was truly a labor of love for me. I mean, I, I grew up reading comic books. I still read comic books. I'm I'm at the comic book store every Wednesday when they come out. <laughs> uh, and you know, I I'm a huge fan of the world. And uh, I didn't want to just try to make this good. I also really, really wanted to make it fun, uh, which is something that. It's a fine line between, you know, extra, extra cheesy and fun. But uh, I, I like a little cheese on my pizza. I'm the first one to admit. Yeah, okay. Well, and you, so being a comic book fan, you must have pulled from a lot of resources because the banter between the league members and everything is really well done, uh, I must say. Uh, all the Aquaman jokes, I mean, everything is, is very reminiscent of, you know, of you know even the cartoon and then back you know yeah. twenty years ago comics and everything and then of course them sure. walking away from the explosion very very Justice League esque <laughs> yeah that that's my nineteen eighties action film right there at the very <laughs> end <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I, I pulled from all those sources uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Justice League animated series uh, Justice League Justice League Unlimited which I, I think they do just a fantastic job. And for those of you out there who haven't seen the Justice League Unlimited episode, I think it's called Clash, where um, uh, Captain Marvel and Superman beat the hell out of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to see that one. Yeah. That whole series, I mean, both of those series are great. And I'm glad, even though it's ended, they're doing, you know, the new Frontier now. I've yeah. heard they're doing that. And um, and Phil Morris is going to return as Randall Savage and everything. So Right. And that should be fun <laughs> for the fans to go out and see. And um, also, for those who haven't read The New Frontier, I, now I'm, I'm going to go off on a complete tangent and uh, that's start fine. yelling about things. That's all about okay. the, That's what all we do on this show. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Got to read The New Frontier by Darwin Cook. Just fantastic. And if there's anybody out there left who hasn't read Kingdom Come, my God, you're not a comic book fan. I know. Fan. <laughs> no right <laughs> Kingdom Come to me was like one of the best things ever. It was just so beautifully done. It was one of the rare series that at the end I actually cried with that <laughs> scene between Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent. Yeah. It's just it's a fantastic, amazing piece of work. Are you a big fan of fifty two right now? Uh you know, I love D C characters. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes Sometimes the actual, yeah, how can I put this without, you know, <laughs> pissing off DC Comics? <laughs> Sometimes the execution for me is a little dated. Yeah. Um, that's why I tend to gravitate toward Marvel, uh, just because, uh, you know, the, at, at the pure character level, I enjoy what they do. Uh, which is not to say that I don't read DC Comics. I right. Mean, uh, I love the the Justice. Speaking of Justice, the Justice run right now is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Meltzer's Justice League of America relaunch, I'm loving. Both and, that, uh, both that, and the Richard Donner, the action yeah, comics. Yeah. And I got to give a shout out. You know, I never thought I would be saying that this this is something that I'm I'm really enjoying. But the the, the Judd Winnick uh, Trials of Shazam. Yes. I'm enjoying the hell out of. And if DC Comics is out there listening, 
<laughs> I desperately want to do a run on uh, uh, the new Flash comic. <laughs> I, I have this crazy idea of like a six-issue uh, Flash, Gorilla Grodd, Buddy Cop, <laughs> where they're forced to work together. That uh, that day, I, I'm, I think I'll actually get on the phone tomorrow and call DC Comics and see if I can pitch them. We'll, I, we'll, I guess now would be the time. We'll go ahead. You call them and we'll go ahead and email them this tomorrow, so they'll, yeah. they'll have it. They'll have it all as it was coming together. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> we're all about tangents on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there any truth to rumors? Uh, and I know Alan Miles have said a lot that th- this this season finale is going to cultivate with. Uh, the Green Arrow and the Phantom Zoners in 33.1. Any chance we're going to see the Justice League before the end of the season, even if it's just one member? Uh, there's definitely a chance. Um, I, I know from the start, our plan was always to bring back the Green Arrow for one or two episodes. Um, that just really all depends on uh, on Justin, um, or whether or not he's doing a pilot. Uh, he would love to come back to the show. But... Uh, I think he was such a standout in the uh, Smallville run that uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be doing a pilot. It's too bad it's not a Green Arrow pilot. <laughs> yeah, huh? What about that? They really missed the boat with... Well, they missed oh, the boat with Aqu- You were supposed to work on Mercy Reef, too, uh, were you yeah. not? Yeah, that was the plan. I was going to go over to Mercy Reef. Well, you know, they they missed out on that, and they won't they won't do a Flash TV show because they want to do the movie. Which, by the way, I don't think they're done with the script. If you want to get in on that, <laughs> yeah, do you want to get with Goyer on that? Yeah, right yeah, yeah uh, I'm sure Goyer would love my help. I think he can handle it. <laughs> Pitching the Gorilla Grodd, yeah. buddy cop. Why <laughs> Ryan Reynolds would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, do you no, feel? I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I I, I actually. Um, pitched a Flash series years ago to the WB. I, I don't know if you guys know the, the story. You, you know about the Flash mm-hmm. series they were doing a yeah, few years ago? Right, it was, uh, it was while Smallville was on, though, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was in the, yeah I, did, I do remember hearing about that. I didn't know you were behind it, though. I was not behind it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was alongside of it, trying to kick it off the road. <laughs> uh, I had heard they were developing a Flash series, and they wanted, you know, they put the call out to writers. Um, so I said, yeah, I would love to go in there. And I, and, and, you know, I worked up my entire pitch, which was basically in a nutshell, um, uh, kind of reimagining the flash, uh, comic book fans may have ended up hating me, (laughs) but, uh, I was going to do Wally West. Now, you know, the problem with some of these origin stories is trying to get it to translate onto film Mm -hmm. with Wally West. I, Certainly didn't think it would fly that he's standing next to Barry Allen in the same lab that Barry Allen got struck by lightning in, and the exact same thing happens. Right. Well, cause you know, then... I, I, I didn't quite see how I could make that work. So the reimagining was um, uh, Wally West is in high school, like a sophomore, and he's a complete slacker. You know, it, it was going to start with this... You know, beautiful sunny day, uh, you know, uh, strong, athletic teenage men running around the track. And, you know, there's this golden god leading the pack, and you hear a voiceover about, you know, being the fastest man alive. And, and, and then you hear him say, you know, but that wasn't me yet. And then you go to the very, very way back at the end is Wally West and his slacker buddy, you know, bringing up the rear. 
And basically the story was that Wally West was a kid that was always running away from his problems. And he has a big fight with his dad during this storm at the house. He steals his dad's car. He's, you know, running away from home. There's this huge, you know, his car breaks down into a ditch, and he's walking in the rain, and then there's this huge flash of light in the sky, and he gets hit by this shock wave, and he gets these flash powers. And what you were going to find out later is that the huge flash in the sky, it wasn't lightning. It was a Star Labs prototype jet, a jet that was designed to go faster than any jet ever. Um, and it was being uh, piloted by Captain Leonard Snark, <laughs> who also was affected by this blast because he was in the upper atmosphere where it's freezing. He becomes Captain Cold, uh, Flash's arch enemy. And, and it was all about, you know, this kid learning to be responsible with his powers because he starts off, he's not at all. So it- that was the story. But uh, <laughs> so I go why, on And why didn't that happen? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, here's why it didn't happen. Because somebody high up, I still to this day don't know who, before I even went in to pitch it, um, I got the word that the direction they want to go is time-traveling Flash. And I was like, what? I did. You remember hearing about that, yes. Yes. So, so you know, my problem was, and I went in and passionately uh, to the studio, um, pleaded with them, don't try to do that, because time travel is an extremely difficult thing to sustain in a TV show. The only one that I can even remember that came close to sustaining it was, uh, oh, I'm blanking out, Scott Quantum, Bakula. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Yeah. Quantum Leap. Yes. <laughs> and even with Quantum Leap, he was traveling within the span of his own lifetime. Right. He wasn't going back to ancient Rome. So, and also, Flash is not an easy character to really, you know, realize on TV. So they were taking two difficult concepts and putting them together to make an impossible concept. So I went in and, you know, just pitched my heart out. And uh, they, they said, wow, that's great. We love it. Um, but, you know, our boss is kind of set on time-traveling Flash. And sure enough, months later, I heard they, you know, they had a script for time-traveling Flash. And... Uh, <laughs> They decided not to go ahead with the project, and uh, I was talking to, I think it was Jeff Loeb, who was telling me that, yeah, yeah, in the script, apparently, if he runs north, he goes forward in time, and if he runs south, he goes backward in time. That's, uh, that's quality TV, right? There. And then, of course, somebody from DC Comics asked the question, well, what if he runs east or west? What happens? And uh, the producer's reaction was, oh, you comic book guys, you're always making trouble. That's a legitimate what? That's question. Legitimate. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it makes no sense. Oh, and man. again, my biggest problem with a lot of, especially in TV, where they try to develop comic book characters, is it's developed by people that do not understand nor love the genre. And that's where I think you get into trouble. Another great example is uh, I was supposed to do, um, there's a comic book called Ultra mm-hmm. by the Luna Brothers that I had found and I was in the process of, of pitching. It's, any, anybody out there who hasn't read it, it's, it's really cool. It's like, it's like Sex in the City with superpowers. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, these superpowered women, and it's more about their personal lives. And it, it's just a wonderful little comic. But uh, I kind of lost control of the project, and then it was done by somebody else who 
again, you know, you just see the finished product and you, you look at it and say, this is somebody that doesn't read comics, that doesn't understand comics, and they're just going on what they see in other movies, which oftentimes is a little shaky. Yeah. yeah. There's my rant for the day. Well, that's, hey. hey, we're all about that here. <laughs> but uh, we're going back. Of course, I love going any which way you want, you want to go. It's fine with me. Uh, do you think that Justice kind of set the precedent for the rest of this season? I mean, storyline, you know, uh, uh, filmed-wise, anything? Well, no. Uh, yeah, here's, here's also <laughs> the thing about TV is that you know, by the time Justice uh, Justice is airing, and it's episode 11, we're already shooting episode 15. 16 is about to start shooting. Um, the scripts for 17 is already done, and 18 and 19 are already almost completely broken. So, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like piloting a uh, a luxury cruise ship. You know, you can't make a turn on a dime. Yeah. It's, it's, it takes miles to adjust your course. Uh, so it's really impossible to, to, to alter um, based on one episode because you're already six or seven episodes down the line. So like you, like Alan Miles, they've said this a lot. They have a vision for how the series or the season's going to start and how it's going to end and a, a few things that happen along the way, but it's up to really, it's up to you guys, the writers to sure. fill in the gaps. And you kind of do that, I mean, I, you just said, I mean, you do it weeks and months in advance, so it's not really an yeah, option. Yeah, we, we, we really do. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, doing a season of TV is kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle where you try to have the borders done first, <laughs> and that's like the beginning, middle, and end, and then you fill in everything in the, in the middle. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, it's a real head-scratcher a lot of times. And uh, this year we had a pretty strong idea of where we were headed. Um, I think that may have been altered slightly now. But, uh, you know, 33.1 was always a big part of it. 33.1 and the Phantoms Yeah, were always a big part of it. Do you find it harder as a writer for, like, the ongoing episodes like Zod or Justice to write those or those non-sequitur episodes like, uh, like Ageless or Mercy? You know, each one has its separate challenge. Um, Zod was an interesting challenge because uh, doing a season premiere, you're so locked in to the things you have to pay off. We call it paying the bills. There were a lot of bills to pay in Zod. Yeah, and there still um, are, aren't there? Oh, yeah, there will be for quite some time. Uh, everybody else on the show is cursing me because between uh, Zod and the Justice League, you know, they have to have episodes that are like fifty dollars to $100,000 under pattern. Because I've spent all the money. <laughs> the way it should be, by the way. Uh, yeah, so I, that's a challenge, but it's also a little bit of a release because it's usually when it's sky's the limits, everything's wide open, it's nothing but a blank page. It's a little harder. But uh, something like Zod, it's like, okay, we have to do this, 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 and that. Um, you know, it's just the details of how to get there. Well, you had talked about maybe wanting to, if you know, the time and budget had permitted, wanting to add a female hero into this episode. Would you? Have oh yeah. Gone, would you have gone with Angel of Vengeance and like how would you have worked that if possible? I'm sure it would have been the Angel of Vengeance because we didn't want to introduce any new character because there just wasn't you know enough space in the in, in 45 minutes to do that. 
So it probably would have been her. Ultimately, um, uh, you know, if there were ever a Justice League series or a series with a group of superheroes, I'd definitely want uh, two or at least two women in it. Um, but in this case, I think it there's something about the boys' club that actually worked. You know, the fact that oh, yeah. it was, and uh, partly for me, I think it's because Clark doesn't get the opportunity to be around other males that much. No. You know, especially around his own age. He's swimming in estrogen most of the time. Yeah, pretty much. So it, I think it was good to have a, you know, a, a solidly male team this time around. Um, in the future, I would definitely, definitely want to bring in a female character, uh, even if it's a new one. And kudos for being able to keep Martha in the episode and having Lionel in the episode where so many this season just, you know, pushed them to the side. Not just them two, but just anybody that has been in the series, uh, being able to keep them in the show. Oh, yeah. Especially I mean, a big I, an episode as Justice. I, I love working with Annette O'Toole and John Glover. I mean, they're just great to work with. Um, so, I, 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 you know, I wish I, I would have had space to uh, use Annette more. Um, she's just always a delight to work with. That and, scene uh, was perfect, though. Yeah, <laughs> Annette and Kyle Gallner were the fun. Yeah, you, you know, it was a it was a little uh, you know mama son uh, scene. Uh, and also, what I really love about that scene is that you see how much Bart loves having a surrogate mother. That that you know he just he just glows uh, from being around Martha, and and John Glover, the amazing John Glover. I mean, you just can't go wrong. No, never. Uh, I, I, I particularly always love doing scenes with uh, him and Michael Rosenbaum because together it's just nothing ever runs as smooth as it does when those two are together. I mean, they are just so fantastic and they know the characters so well. Well, do you feel like, and I'm not saying, I'm, I'm going to sound biased on this one, I guess, so I apologize. Do you feel that Justice might not have been publicized as much as it should have been? Hmm, that's a tricky question, isn't it? <laughs> well, I just, gonna, I'll, I'll tell you why. To... I, I'll tell you why I think so, yeah. and then I'll let you answer. There were no, you know, posters. There were no magazine ads. There was a lot of internet buzz, like releasing desktop wallpaper and stuff. But even the trailers and stuff was a lot of recycled footage from like Run and stuff. And I just, I kind of felt like it didn't get the attention it deserved early on. Now, the week of all last week, I felt like it was getting mass attention. Right. But I feel like that should have been going on for the last two months. Yeah, where, where is my poster, by the way? That's my one question. That's I was really excited that finally I'd have an episode with a poster. And nothing. I, <laughs> nothing. You got what to, is up with that? I want that hanging on my wall. Yeah, you got that fireball in the background. <laughs> you, guys shoot, uh, uh, you guys shoot film. I would figure it'd be easier to, you know... Get a big blow up of it and just you know put it over your bed. That's what I would do. Man. Yeah, I, I I don't know what happened and uh, honestly I would have uh, shaken a few trees if I had been in town and not in Florida dealing with a personal issue. Um, yeah, I, you know I I I, I will uh, I will let your assessment of the problem speak for itself. Okay, hmm. that that's I really did want to ask you As that. I was debating whether or not to do it. On recording or not? <laughs> I have some questions. Let me just say that. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk after we turn this mic off. <laughs> um, have you ever just had complete fun with it? Because I know you're a fun guy. I mean, it's obvious from your MySpace page, from the stuff that you write. Have you ever just 
you know, screwed with Alan Miles and written an episode where Clark flies and puts on the suit and turned it in or anything like that. You know, I haven't, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because it would be more work. Uh, you know, usually I have just enough in me to actually write the script that we're shooting. Uh, plus, I mean, they would know it was a joke because they hear the pitches right. the stories. Um, I, I wish I had time for uh, jokes like that. I will tell you, there was a joke... Uh, Last year, played on a uh, first-time director, um, uh-huh. uh, our director, uh, our DP, Glenn Winter, was uh, stepping up to direct his first episode, and uh, they somebody up in Vancouver wrote a bogus outline for his episode that was absolutely impossible. <laughs> it was just completely impossible to film or shoot. And gave it to him, and uh, <laughs> and he apparently was game to give it a try, <laughs> but uh, you could see the color drain out of his face. <laughs> well, um, and I know, of course, as you said, Alan Miles may come out of the rafters if you give too much, but you can. We'll speak in vague generalizations. There's a lot of internet buzz th- saying that um, Lana might find out about Clark's abilities this season. There any... uh, you know that that that's that's been a possibility since the season one, so uh, it's uh, still a strong possibility this year too. Yeah, well, they keep hinting at it a lot more this season than what they have in the past. Yeah, so it feels like of... it's about time, huh? Well, it's time she put something together. I get, I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, kind of going back to the beginning of the season, which has been a huge season for you. Tell us, like, how you got set up for Zod, because um, as you said, doing a season premiere is a huge thing. Yeah, I, I, it was a surprise to me. Um, our first day back, Alan Miles called me to their office, and uh, uh, they basically said, you know, we we think you did, did a great job last year, and uh, we'd like you to write the uh, season premiere this year. And I said, great, fantastic, and then, you know, immediately started sweating. Because <laughs> uh, I, I know the finale last year was huge and extremely expensive. And... Uh, just based on what had happened, uh, you know, uh, Metropolis on fire, uh, Martha and Lois's plane going down in the Arctic, um, Clark trapped in the Phantom Zone, Lex having superpowers of Zod, you know, uh, that adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm always willing to spend other people's money. Hey. So, uh, and I was also thrilled to be able to do things like, you know, uh, uh, write inside the Phantom Zone for the first time on the show, and also to write, uh, you know, a super fight between uh, Lex Zod and Clark, even though we had to scale it way down right. from what it, what it was. Well, then Tucker and I actually, we, we still did the show in Smallville's on Hades, and our discussion a lot last summer was, how are you going to write for the Phantom Zone? Because that's never been done before. You know, it was right. done in the Supergirl movie back in the 80s, but other than yeah. the animated series, it's never been shown before. Right. Did you take the direction uh, for, you know, the Blue Desert and everything, or was that James Marshall's, or how did the Phantom Zone come about? Uh, it was a combination. I mean, my pitch for the Phantom Zone was, uh, you know, make it like Dune. Mm. Make mm-hmm. it this... Uh, yeah, we, we used Dune as an example, and we also used uh, The Wrath of Khan. We talked about a lot. That it that it was CD Alpha four is it? Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember if it's four or five. One of them blew up. Let me let me call my roommate. He's a big fan. And, and, you, know, and you know, for the uh, <laughs> for the entire time we were breaking it, I, I kept, every now and then I would go, 
Botany Bay. Oh, no. Botany <laughs> Bay. And nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. But it cracked me up. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and Star Trek Wrath of Khan. I mean, my God, how much do I love that movie? That's still the best Star Trek movie. And another complete tangent. I'm sorry, I'm giddy. Stephen and I just made a checkoff joke on the show. <laughs> on my show. I'm very happy right now. You say nuclear whistles. <laughs> no, man. Well, we were really pleased, I know, from both of us, um, on how you did do the Phantom Zone because, I'll be honest with you, we were scared. Not because you were writing it, but because that's something that could get screwed over really bad. Oh, you weren't the only one that was worried. I mean, uh, I, I know. I, you know, it's funny, up until the time that it aired, Everybody was just, you know, it was like a, a crap fest on the internet about how, you know, we're going to ruin everything, and and so so much of their concerns, I, I, you know, I couldn't comment on. It, it's like one of the big ones was, you know, like Lana, you know, like why is Lana kissing, or why is Lexod kissing Lana, and, and that whole thing, and it's like, well, you know, it's going to kind of be explained. <laughs> Wait three can't months. Say anything about it. <laughs> the big. Uh, and, and, and kudos to James Marshall and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the DP for uh, for doing um, doing that. James told me a story that you know they were out shooting. Uh, where they shot in Vancouver for the Phantom Zone? Apparently, it's uh, it's a section that used to be used as a, a mine. They used to do strip mining there. From I believe what he tells me. And at one point, the DP was suggesting that they paint all the sand. To get oh, the right color. Wow. <laughs> and James was like, what are you, nuts? We can't paint the sand. So a, a lot of what you see is, uh, is uh, post-production. I mean, uh, you know, they, they change the color of the sky and, and they, they alter the color of the sand. Like, yeah, just put a filter on there. It's like, we even paint the sand for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it looked great. And uh, Entity, once again, did a you know, fantastic job with the Phantoms. And all the visual effects in Zod were just top-notch. Uh, I you know the, I think the biggest thing that kind of worried me was in season five. It was said that um, that it, not necessarily in order to be put in the Phantom Zone, but specifically for the biggest offenders, you would they would uh, destroy right. the body, but yeah. trap the spirit in the Phantom Zone. And yeah. we were all wondering, is like, okay, so you're going to actually have phantoms in there? I've never seen. Phantoms in the Phantom Zone. Like again, Supergirl was the only exposure to the Phantom Zone that I had right. at that point, and we just saw Peter O'Toole and yeah, what's her face just walking around. Yeah, like, that was an, another thing that you know the internet was just livid about was that Zod's body was destroyed. And another thing that I was dying to tell him: here's our cool take on it. This is why it's called the Phantom Zone. Yes, yeah, is that the worst criminals are actually these phantoms that prey on the other criminals. It's kind of a way of, you know, it's a serious prison torture system. Seriously. Now, and I have to ask about this because it's the name of our show. Was the House of El Crystal your idea? Rise Crystal from Jor-El? Was that your idea? Or was that something Alan Miles wanted to do to further along in the season? Well, we wanted to do, um, uh, you know, we we talked a lot about two things. How does Clark get out of the goddamn Phantom Zone? Which is, you know, a pickle. And two, how does he, you know, get... Zod out of Lex's body, and that's how we uh, came up with um, Raya has this crystal to protect her from the phantoms. Um, 
and also uh, we decided from that that we used like the same kind of of symbol that uh, Jarrell put a back door into this place, you know, like a computer hacker, to make sure that he was never in prison there, him or his family, just in case. Um, the House of L Crystal actually originally we were planning on using the uh, the Smallville infinity symbol. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, Al said, you know, I think it's time that, you know, we show the real House of L symbol, the classic Superman symbol. So so we decided to go with that. Well, I know, and I've read before that you've said that um, in earlier scripts, or the earlier script of the show, you had Clark actually throw it into space. Yes. Then I guess, did they change that so it could it could be used later on in the season to remove other... You know, Phantom Zone escapees yeah, and stuff like that. Six other yeah. Phantoms landed with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I wish I could say that was the reason. Uh, we cut it because of budget. We couldn't afford to throw it in the space. Oh. Um, uh. And also, there was some debate of, is Clark smart for throwing a Zod in the space? And my counter was, is he smart for keeping him as a paperweight? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, either way, it sounds like trouble. Well, you know, and I guess it was building right there because right after Zod escape, you know, comes out and he goes into the crystal and Clark and looks up into the sky, I guess that's where it was going. You'd throw it in yeah. space, but... No, we, we actually cut it. We, we cut it before we filmed it. Right. I, I, um, so many so, people thought he was just going to lift off the ground and fly yeah, that right would have there. Been perfect time. Yeah, that's just a nice, uh, you know, heroic moment. <laughs> the music was building. You guys and your music this season are killing me, man. <laughs> Is it killing you? It's just, it's, it keeps the tension up so high throughout the episode. It, it's, it's awesome. Well, I, my feeling on that is that a lot of stuff has to be done this season to compensate for budget. Mainly because yeah. you took a lot of it, but <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I definitely took a lot of it, and and you know, it's not like we have a, a lot of people on the internet keep saying, uh, you know, they should give you more money. It's not like we have less money than last year. It's just financially things are a little different. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a, a weaker dollar in Canada. You know, the exchange rate is not favorable to us anymore. Um, and so, about that. You know, it, it, it's stuff like that that is affecting our budget. Right. And I think a lot of people are saying that because it's never been done on the show where Clark's used x-ray vision and you hear it, but you don't see it. Yeah, this and, is what I like to call an, an angel season five visual effect. <laughs> uh, I keep telling everybody at work that on angel season five, we had no money. I mean, we really, uh, our shows were done for almost a, a million and a half less than what we do a Smallville show for. So, our visual effect was a sound effect off screen. You know, whenever somebody would dust a vampire, usually you hear it off screen and you'd see a little bit of dust waft through. Wow, like you guys had creature makeup and everything on Angel that you don't have on. We sure did. You know, I, I'm still shocked at what we did on Angel because we had creature makeup, we had flying wire fights. Wow. Y'all, uh, were, y'all were stealing from ATMs at night, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how we did it, honestly. I mean, and, and we shot the show. Uh, that last year at Angel, we, we just had eight days to shoot everything. Man. So we just shot like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on Zod, is there anything filmed that wasn't used? I know you've talked about like the, the Zod presidential motorcade and him getting into the Pentagon. Was any of that filmed? Or No. No. We, uh, we had to strike that. Uh, and Al Goff, God love him. Uh, he hung on to that as long as he could because he loved that sequence and really wanted to do it. But... You know, there's no way we could afford it, and ultimately, uh, there's no way we could jam it into the episode. Right. Uh, th- th- we were just uh, packed into that episode. 
Um, is there anything else in that? Uh, can I seem to remember talking about some scene that was cut at some point, or sections of scenes were cut. I know you talked about Lana in the barn asking about the, yeah. the, the dagger. I'm sorry that got cut. You know, every now and then things will get cut that when, you, when I see it on the air, it's like, oh, now I look stupid. You know? Well, you know, I, and I, I read that on your MySpace about it, a lot of people saying it didn't make sense because Lana never questioned it. Well, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it is just a TV show, but if something like that's going on, whatever will kill Zod, I'm not going to question it. Whatever needs to be done. Yeah. <laughs> Let me... yeah, yeah, they call me the logic police in the room. <laughs> I'm always the one asking those questions because they drive me nuts. Well, let me let me just say this: You are not the first one to just let a plot line go on that show. <laughs> you think? Yeah. This Speaking one of plot lines. Here's something uh, that I haven't been able to get online yet and explain. But uh, uh, and this is completely my fault, and I apologize to everyone out there. I should have made this clearer in justice about Clark being stupid for going into the room with the kryptonite. There's a lot of people um, yeah. asking about that. Yeah, I, I, my the problem is I did not explain it in the script well enough. It's hinted at, but not really explained. When Chloe tells him that uh, there's been equipment transfers, she says, um, you know, uh, lead shielding equipment for, you know, tracking particles. Um, and then later when she's with, uh, with the boys, she says, oh, no, lead shielding uh, or she says something about meteor rock, uh, the, the lead shielding. It's not just for Bart. Um, Clark is going in. He's looking for lead shielding because he thinks Bart is contained in the lead shielded room. Okay. Uh, that was the idea. It was not articulated correctly. Yeah. Well, I come on. And also, when he gets to that door, as, as written in film, he x-rays the door. He sees that it's lead. He says to himself, lead, and then he goes in. Uh, we had to cut that attempted x-ray for budget reasons because ultimately there's going to be an x-ray that you know didn't pan out yeah well it was it it made sense to me and i kind of thought that's where you were going with it because i I figured you know if he thinks that it's you know lead closing him off from that you know maybe there's something behind there that he needs to get at i don't i just can't you know i didn't think like um you know who would know to put lead in front of clark you know to keep him from seeing it yeah, and, and I kick yeah. myself now because it would have been a very, very simple dialogue yeah. just to make that clear. You're looking for a lead-shielded room containing Bart. Right. And then it would have been, you know, he's not stupid. He thinks Bart's in there. So uh, that that was my fault. Okay. That was, that was my intention, <laughs> and I wish I would have made that clearer. This is your Michael then, Richards apology. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> You're a, you're a lettuce. Well, we always ask yeah. our guests on the show who are influential, like John Schneider or anybody, we always ask if they were writing or directing the finale, how would they do it? So I ask you, sir. <laughs> I what bet you want like to hear God seat. say. That's tough because I have intimate knowledge of what's going to go on in the finale. Well, feel free to share. So I, uh, <laughs> hey, you can play I, uh, it off as a joke and tell us the real thing. Man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, 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 from purely a producing standpoint, if I was writing and directing the finale, I would center more on emotion than huge special effects because I've already spent all the money. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. Other than that, you know, um, I think it's time to move certain parts of the mythology forward. Um, I would love to bring in... Maybe another classic, either bring in another classic Superman villain, um, or, 
or maybe, you know, unleash the 33.1 crypto freaks. Um, I, I, I got to believe that uh, Lex still has something going on out there somewhere. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, another com- complete tangent of trying to artfully avoid this question. Uh, there's a line in Justice about Corto Maltese mm-hmm. that uh, when we were in the room, I pitched and I said, yeah, and it should be, you know, there's this facility on the island of Corto Maltese. And again, everybody stares at me like, you know, I've just sprouted antennae. Uh, and I, I explained to them what it was. Um, a lot of people on the internet, are, of course, are saying, you know, it's from Tim Burton's Batman, Vicki Vale taking pictures. But my reference goes, you know, back to The Dark Knight Returns. Right. Uh, and, you know, the island that the Russians and the Americans were fighting over that they sent Superman to. Um, but, you know, it's little things like that that give me the most joy. And there's just, so many little things in Justice. Yeah, just popping in little bits like that. The uh, the Watchtower satellite and uh, yeah, the, uh, the Watchtower, which which is another thing. God bless the people I work with. They didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you are interested in bringing in somebody else this season, and they and they ask you for it, uh, we do have a, a script with uh, Hal Jordan. We can pitch to if you pitch to you if you want it. <laughs> I would love to bring in Hal Jordan. Uh, even for like an episode, I'd love to bring in Hal Jordan. Uh, I don't think we could, you know, have Green Lantern. No, we thought just it's, like uh, a, a test pilot crashed and Clark yeah. found him. You know, I'll email you the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, we actually talked uh, uh, this year when we were talking about who do we want to bring in. Um, we talked about Green Arrow. We talked about Green Lantern. Uh, Martian Manhunter, we'd always been talking about. I think there were a couple of more that we were kicking around as possibilities. And I know but, you said uh, that you didn't really want to use, well, budget and time wouldn't allow it, but Martian Manhunter's got his own storyline affecting Clark this season and it didn't yeah. really fit into justice. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, you know, with Martian Manhunter, uh, it's kind of like the problem with Clark. Um, one of the reasons that Clark plot-wise, needed to be sidelined by Kryptonite, is he is so powerful. Yeah. Is that there's no need for the whole team to go in and rescue Bart. Clark can do it on his own. Uh, that, that's, that's a constant problem. That's the one big problem with Smallville and uh, Clark, because he is so gigantically powerful. He gets more so every year. He does. And, you know, he, as he becomes more and more Superman, it, unless he's fighting the 50-foot giant robot, which I would love, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's hard since kryptonite is the only thing that can slow him down or, you know, one of these supervillains from the Phantom Zone, which is why I'm so glad we have these people. Right. You um, know, that it's that, that's somebody that can actually hurt Clark. It's uh, in Labyrinth, actually, the uh, this week is, it's a Phantom that's actually... Keeping Clark in this mental prison, right? Is that what the spoilers say? <laughs> that's that's kind of what the episode. Like, it's kind of what the episode descriptions going well, with. But, I don't know where Tucker's going with. Well, this. but anyway, well, it sounds like an interesting episode. <laughs> but well, I, that's what I, you know. I thought was going on. But uh, regardless, there are when you watch Zod, you see actually seven things of light coming out of the sky, and one uh-huh. of them's Clark, and then six of them or something. Or six other things that came out of the Phantom Zone. And we've seen four of them 
killed or no killed or sucked into the Phantom Zone or sucked back into the House of El Crystal. So that leaves two left, and I know Mount Banking on I know who who the other one is besides the <laughs> the other besides the Phantom that landed in South America. Who, who, who do you think the other one is? It has to be. Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Aether, the other Kryptonian that came at the beginning of season. The five. other disciple. The, Tucker believes it's the other disciple of Zion. Oh, it has because to be because she was she, standing right next to Raya. She was standing right next to Raya. If That's Ra- an interesting choice. It's not a choice, <laughs> although, although dude. Steven, it's logic. <laughs> although Stephen goes another direction, <laughs> which I'm going to go. I'm going to side with Stephen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is Smallville. Are you applying is, logic to Smallville? I, I messed up, and I'm sorry. You go sit in your corner. Dang it. <laughs> It, I, I can tell you, it was hard enough getting Aether for uh, Zod. Well, I remember saying that there was going to be some cast. They were going to change the people casting, or the, the people playing them, and then they it were going to change who played. It was heading that way purely because it was an expense issue. Yeah. And then they were going to change who played Raya in Fallout. So I didn't know if they were going to come up with some plan for the Phantom Zone to have different people. You look differently in the Phantom Zone than you did except on Earth. Yeah, except that was tricky because she was on another show. So we were trying to work out their schedule. Yeah. Now, last summer, leading up to Zod, you posted on your MySpace, like, for the first seven, eight episodes, who all was writing and directing. And uh, a lot of people were like, is he making people at Warner Brothers mad? He's talking about all this. And nobody's no, I mean, it, 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 no, nobody cares uh, uh, if it's released who's writing a script or right. who's directing a script. Um, um, that they don't care about. Um you know, depending on what the title is, they can get a little twitchy if that's released too early. Like Zod. <laughs> or, or Justice. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's like Zod. Of course it's called Zod. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> the end of it's Zod. Um, Justice. I think everybody was fine with Justice being out there because, you know, I mean, it's, it's cool. a nice one word that, you know, has just enough mystery to it. Um is we know you know Rosenbaum's directing fifteen. Is there anything you can tell us about writers and directors from you know episode sixteen, Promise, and on? Uh, I know you said see, there's a possibility uh, that you might be doing you might be writing twenty. I think I'm doing twenty, which will be directed, I think, by Matt Beck, um, who uh, you've seen a little bit of his direction before. He actually, uh, I believe, directed the sequence uh, in Hidden. Where Clark jumps on the missile, mm-hmm. oh. which I thought was phenomenal. That mm-hmm. was just such a classic Superman moment. Uh, let's see, Promise is being written by Kelly Souders and Brian Peterson. Uh, I don't, wait, wait, is that being written? Yes. Uh, I don't know who's directing it. Um, Crimson was written by Brian Peterson and Kelly Souders and is being directed by Glenn Winters, our DP slash director extraordinaire, who did a great job on Justice, by the way. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. fantastic. Uh, Combat, uh, written by Tori Myers and Al Septian, being directed by the incomparable James Marshall. Ah, uh, so, Yes. Which is a very interesting title. I know you can't speak on the episode itself, but it sounds... Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I won't won't even say what you told me, but it sounded very... Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty cool. Cross my fingers, uh, it won't get slaughtered by the budget axe, um, which is always a possibility. 
Uh, let's see. Has been any, any other episodes uh, I've missed? Seventeen uh, is the only one we know through the title through. So, and you know, right. eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. We don't know much about unless you want to tell us anything directing, about them. <laughs> I don't know who's directing eighteen or nineteen. Uh, eighteen is being written by uh, a new writer, Genevieve Sparling, a, a fantastically bright, funny talented woman uh let's see 19 is being written by caroline drees uh i think that's all i know okay i can assume that 21 and 22 will be some variation of uh todd Slavkin, darren swimmer and uh kelly Souders, brian peterson most likely yes yeah Yes, I'm calling it quits after 20. <laughs> Are you? That's it for me. Well, so, I had heard phone it in. There's rumors that you were leaving. I didn't know if those were true. My contract is up. It is uh, at Warner Brothers. Um, you know, we've been having discussions about my possible return. For me, it's you know I, I'm gearing up for the next step in my career, which is what they call an overall deal, which means that I, I would sign on with a studio, not a show. And then that studio can put me on any show. Right. Um, and the reason that's good for a, a writer producer is you don't have to worry about the show being canceled because you're not you're not with that show. You're with the studio. If the show's canceled, they put you on another show. Oh, and right. this is all geared toward developing my right. show. Well, that sounds awesome. That's awesome, man. I mean, we'll miss you on the show, of course, but it'll be bigger, better things for you. And of course, yeah. we'll, we'll keep watching. Always. I've had a fantastic time on the show, and. Uh, uh, if I had one wish, it was to, uh, you know, uh, ride into the sunset after justice, because I, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to match that. <laughs> well, maybe written. Maybe not visually. But <laughs> I don't even without think the budget, I, 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 think, I, I think I spent all my creative coin on that one. We have one last question for you. Sure. This is something we've talked about for a long time, and we were very devastated with the episode uh, Subterranean uh, back in December, because we kept expecting there to be some mention of Mole Men. Somewhere in the episode, uh, a throwback to the old George Reeves uh, Superman. Yeah. And there was never a reference. And we, we built this hype on the show, and all our listeners built this hype, were, and there was never anything. So can you, Stephen and I, write the word mole in, in episode 20 of your last <laughs> episode of Smallville just for us? I mean, you know, if I had had anything to do with that episode, you know, Mole Man would have been in there somewhere, probably out of uh, Chloe's mouth. She had two opportunities. She had several opportunities to say it. Yeah. So you know, I, I like, like I said, I always love squeezing in those little references. Well, if you feel the need in episode twenty to write mole in there, we'll <laughs> we'll thank you for all time. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. This was just unprecedented, and having you on here directly after Justice. Oh, it's and, my uh, pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, the fans love you. We love you. And it's no time better for you to be on here the weekend after the episode aired. So uh, we'll, well stick around. Uh, we'll stick know, around here and talk to you for just a second. But uh, we, sure. we appreciate uh, you being you know, on the Thank show. you for the for the fine show, and uh, I want to thank the fans for continuing to watch. <laughs>